Hello, witches. This is Kara Kovacs, and this is Business Witch. As a third-generation witch, at least, and a business and life coach for mission-driven entrepreneurs and leaders, I teach you how to make money and magic as liberatory practices. Because when we know, seek, and embrace our full potential, we create a better world for everyone. Here you'll find tools, conversations, spells, and inspiration that take you from waiting to creating so you can build the business and life you're oh so worthy and capable of having. Let's go. Hello, witches. We have a very special witch in-house today. We've been friends since I was doing card readings on an inflatable couch. Actually, the day we met was the first time I ever attempted to do a live event for my business. It was the- Really? Yes. You didn't know that? No. That was the first time? That was the first time I had ever done anything anywhere. I was like, this girl has the tarot cards. I have to sit down next to her. So for those of you wondering whose voice that is, it is none other than Word Witch, Kate Ballou. And we met in like 2017, 2018, while I was sitting on an inflatable couch at the New York City Poetry Society or Poetry Society of New York Poetry Festival, where Kate was slash is a poetry whore in the company. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks maybe for having we, me, Kara. <laughs> maybe we want to tell them what a poetry whore is. So they're not like, wait, what? Yeah. For those that don't know, uh, the Poetry Brothel is a show put on. It's immersive theater burlesque show put on by the Poetry Society of New York with many artists and witches and poets and um sometimes you can find me there dressed up like a cabaret cowgirl named bambi (laughs) highly recommend checking that out if you're in new york and i also went to the la one there is an la brothel and i went and very very similar setup and also wonderful performers so definitely check that out if you're on opposite coasts but kate tell us about the work that you're doing now tell us what you're up to today Yeah, the work that I'm doing now, that's a good question. It's kind of a little bit of everything. I like to blend together poetry, plants, and the stars as kind of the main pillars of my business, Um, and, and then kind of working with those things in the format of writing and storytelling and empowering both businesses and individuals to really access their creativity in new ways and and to really put pen to paper and and write. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have Kate on the podcast is I want to highlight something that you said, that it's a variety of things. And that what I try to guide people to in coaching is to build something that is so reflective of them, so uniquely them, that nobody else could do it because it wouldn't make sense if anybody else did it. And that it couldn't exist previously because how would you know what it was going to be until you put all of those things that you love together? And I think your business is such a great example of that. Uh, I remember, well, I used to coach Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Kate was a client of mine as well as a friend. And I remember just that, that when you were transitioning into working for yourself full time, 
that the idea of like being somebody who had studied poetry and building a business from that and because of that didn't seem like a thing that there was a frame of reference for. And you just built this thing like you were willing to try and be creative and you came in with an idea and you were like, I'm going to see what I can build from this. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, maybe some words of wisdom for people who imagine that what they were taught or trained in couldn't really be a business and how to follow that and create something with some tenacity and courage for yourself. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, First step is sit on this couch that I'm sitting on right now, put a blanket over your head, send a voice note to Kara and say, excuse me, can you help me? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I texted you. I was like, I can't go on like this anymore. Like I didn't. (laughs) I felt so uh, like isolated, but with like such a big dream and also just with like the intense body knowledge of knowing that what I was doing was no longer sustainable. And so I was like, okay, phone a friend. Thank goddess I knew you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So I was sitting right here and that's I sent that Cody was making dinner like I can just see it so clearly. And just being like, honestly, I I don't know what's possible, but I know that it's possible. And so I just need to like keep pulling the threads of that and following that. And so a lot of that work that you and I did in the beginning, I think was around, you know, believing in belief or possibility and and working towards that. But yeah, I mean, for anybody really who has a dream like that, I think that it can be so difficult because, you know, I remembered I remember being in my undergrad and studying poetry and people saying, okay, well, what are you actually going to do? And I was like, what did you mean? Like, what do you mean? I'm a poet. I have no other choice. Like I showed up originally to Kalamazoo College with the dream of being a poet and the practicality of being a lawyer. And it took um, my academic advisor, uh, poet Diane Seuss, she won the Pulitzer last year. I was sitting in her office and she had these fish bones and was like drinking coffee out of a jalapeno jar. And she was like, oh, honey, you are not going to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> and um, having to then follow poetry. And I mean, poetry has just been such a lantern or a lighthouse and all of this. And then the people that also believe in poetry, I mean, that's how you and I met was through poetry and, you know, holding that dream as as the dream, even when I had to, you know, work as a receptionist or work at a Christmas tree farm or work at an ice cream store, all things that I've, you know, done in my early years, but just never never giving up on the poetry. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I and it was poetic in how you said it. You were like, she was drinking coffee out of a jalapeno jar. Like you painted us a picture. I cannot imagine you as a lawyer. No, no, no. Anyone at K College, I mean, it was just, it was just funny, that room. I mean, and, and Di, you know, she she really supported me and believed in me. She helped me get a fellowship that first summer where I got to go up, out to a nature institute and observe scientists and be an artist in residence. And, you know, I would, had to go show up and like catch rattlesnakes with snake tongs and like a paint bucket and like studied thermoregulation of dragonflies and just being really open to all of the experiences has been really foundational, I think. You're so cool. Thank you. <laughs> I was just like catching rattlesnakes and then I realized I wasn't going to be a lawyer. 
I didn't want to catch the rattlesnakes either. <laughs> I thought I was going to observe and write poems. And they handed me knee high boots and this like paint bucket. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> And now here you are. <laughs> and so you started with doing social me media marketing for clients, and then you built a program and now a podcast and some more programs. Tell people about the kind of work that you're doing today if they wanted to partner with you in that and get involved in that. What does it look like? Yeah. So the podcast is called Magic and Alchemy, and that's a podcast that's put on by Tamed Wild. Um, and I co-host that with Kristen Lizenby, who you know. And that's on our, we're just finishing up our third season right now. So kind of looking ahead to season four. Um, Kara has a beautiful episode on there from a couple of years ago. So definitely listeners, check that out. And then there's the Bardo, which you helped me develop and create, which is a container with different writers and facilitators who help folks tell their stories and access their creativity in new ways. And that runs every fall. And then there are the winter and spring crossroads containers, which are two classes that I teach with Kristen that weave together retellings and reimaginings of ancient stories and myths and paired them with different potent plants that can be found in those mythologies and kind of learning about those botanical properties and, and magic. Very, very cool. And something else I love is while we were working together, you were also like an herbalism apprentice. You also did astrology school. You're like doing all the things. We are in the presence, for those of you listening, to someone who is quite the skilled witch. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'd love to hear a little bit about weaving together the stars and plant magic, just because I don't think I've really had the opportunity to hear you talk about merging those two worlds. Yeah. Well, I'm in my third year of apprenticeship, like you mentioned, to Robin Rose Bennett, which has been completely life-altering and, and amazing. And so once a month, I go up to her house in New Jersey with a handful of other apprentices and learn all about the plants in her garden. And we ally with a plant every year. So I've worked very closely now with oak and cedar and this year pine. So I'm definitely a tree herbalist, I think. <laughs> I have some uh, oak oil that you gave me for portal opening. I have some. Oh, I loved working. That was that was a fun one. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the plants have informed my writing and facilitating in, in numerous ways. And then, you know, weaving in the stars. I did Rebecca Gordon's beginners astrology course, intermediate astrology course and the masterclass, uh, the art of the reading. And so, I mean, that's informed everything. Because, I mean, the, working with the moon cycles, I mean, before we got on this call, we were rattling off eclipse season uh, transits. And, you know, I, I think just an awareness of the cycles of our planet that we all take part in can be so supportive to our businesses and also just a lot of fun. Like if I have to write a newsletter every week, which I do, and that's my commitment to myself and to my community, then might as well talk about what I love the most, which are those things. And so studying those have just been, yeah, foundational to what I do. And Kate has a great newsletter, which you can go subscribe to through her social media or her website, which we're going to link for you in the show notes. 
And when you think about what it is that you've learned about herbs and about nature and about the stars, how does that inform your business? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I mean, and this is something you and I talked about a lot, is just the the cycles of making and creating, like the permission that nature has, you know, to go still all winter or like the sort of amazing frenzied energy that can come in the spring or the summer and, and feeling feeling the permission to tap into those things and then also to rest, which are something that I have had a a difficult time with with burnout over the last few years and then really having to learn how to how to take care of myself and to um you know support myself especially as someone who's working in this sort of a a solo business owner in a wider community and by both things what are your favorite remedies for self-support I can't say enough good things about nettles. Like I can't, I'm like deeming even just thinking about them. They're like, they're just so supportive. And I mean, if you think about nettles too, they're sort of prickly, right? Like, and if you make an infusion with with nettles, which you can do by just boiling some water, putting like a quarter cup in a mason jar, pouring it over, letting it sit overnight, and then drinking a cup of it for the next couple of days. It has this like sort of like black murkiness to it too. It's just super nourishing, a little bit salty. And like, I just think that, you know, they got me through the adrenal fatigue, through a lot of my own like learning of boundary settings or building contracts or just even supporting me and having really clear relationships with the people that I love. And so, yeah, can't say enough good things about nettle. Yeah. What about you? I have, I don't, I don't know if you can see, but I actually have a selenite wand suspended in the corner of every single room in my home which is a tip from my best friend and acupuncturist, chronic healer, Annalise Cool. Uh, so I just hung them all in the corners. And then she. this is also a tip from her that you can put out a bucket of salt water and it will absorb all of the negative energy in the space. Put it somewhere high if you have pets because Addie drank the bad juju water once. And that was, oh, no. It was just one lick. But I was and, you know, she is such a positive divine light being that I'm sure she alchemized it immediately. But All don't, dogs. Leave, <laughs> don't leave your cleansing water in a place where your pets can access it. Yeah, I was taught I was taught like rock salt and like uh limes, which looks like tequila uh mix, you know. When I had some ghosts I had to ask to leave, I set them out and my neighbor texted me and she was from Singapore and so she texted me and she was just like, Do we have ghosts? And I was like, What? <laughs> and she's like, I saw the the salt and the lime in the corner, like when I was going into my house and I was like, Oh yeah. She's like, Oh, my aunts used to do that. Like, thanks for taking care of that for us. <laughs> Well, it just goes to show that you're living somewhere that now we're on the same frequency. But for anybody who comes to like one of my retreats or when I have moon circles in my home, I have I'm like the tincture queen. I have probably 30 bottles of tinctures and they're out every single moon circle. I put them out with all my cards and people can just mix and match. I'm a huge fan of 69 herbs. Oh, they're- I love I love 69 herbs. So good. My yeah. favorite is the uh, Wonder and Connection one. I think I sent you, you that You sent one. me one. Yeah. I always take it before I, I teach and facilitate. It's so nice. It tastes like fairies having an orgy. That's what I like always tell. 100%. 
What's the nerve, like the anxiety one too? That one's really nice. From 69 Herbs. I use the wooden spoon apothecary anti That one's good too. Yeah, Rose colored glasses. Yes, that one is so mm-hmm. good. Ooh, See, this yeah. is how you know. <laughs> this is how you know <laughs> that we've been just in the same community for a long time. <laughs> it's like, you know, we have all the same tictures. I know. I'm just like looking at them over there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and actually, I tell, I'd be curious because you actually have herbalism education. People come and they ask me if they can take mix, like if mixing is bad. And I'm like, I take six of them at once. I'd love to hear if I've been giving bad advice. You know, I think that everyone is different. I think that, you know, if people listen are listening to their intuition and they're in that space, I can't imagine that it could be on a one time dangerous in any way but also listeners uh, I always ha- I always have to say to like you know do your own uh, don't listen to me because I'll get into trouble <laughs> but um no I mean of course if you're taking other medical uh, medications you should always be wary of you know some plants you know St. John's wort will negate birth control pills for example and uh, you know I'm not quite sure I'm more of a folk herbalist than someone that's going to be giving a lot of you know really strict medical advice more like the energetics of plants but that that's one thing that always comes to mind you know I had a friend who started brewing beer with St. John's wort and um, you know now she has a nine-year-old so <laughs> wow <laughs> Well, I'm glad we informed people of that. That was probably really helpful for at least one person listening to this. But what you're talking about really brings me, you know, this like connection we have over a shared interest in herbs and witchy things. And before we got on this call, I had mentioned that I wanted to ask you about you created partnerships, like your partnership with Kristen, like you've named so many of your teachers and your wisdom teachers, like creating those communities has always felt really foundational to your work. And it's also felt really authentic. And it also felt like a way that you were able to create new opportunities for revenue and opportunities for visibility without having necessarily to aim to be creating opportunities for revenue and visibility. And I think a lot of people enter into, okay, I want to build a business that is really unique to me. I need to become as visible as possible to make revenue is like the misnomer or the the perspective that they have in their minds and they chase that and that energy or that frequency feels really disingenuous. And so for you, I'd love to hear about your tips for people on creating authentic relationships that can also be business partnerships in a generative, compassionate, and organic way. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I think that my parents and my grandpa were foundational in that. My grandpa was a very uh, classic Capricorn businessman born in like 1929. And so his business looks a lot different than mine. And I still don't know if he ever knew what I do. (laughs) But he loved poetry. But his advice was always, and this was like reiterated to me through my dad, was to always show up with like an offering or a gift first. Like in in all business, like my aim has always been to make lives easier for those around me and to be really in service to that. And so I think as far as like quote unquote networking goes, like that's always kind of where I've tried to, to lead from. 
And also just like a deep love of people and what they do. And there's so many amazing humans in the world that are doing so many incredible, wild things. And, you know, I love to be in the in a room with people who are loving what they're doing and are super creative. So just seeking out those spaces and being open to them. And and that that I think is is another piece of advice. And you know, I think that we stand on the shoulders of the people that came before us in our various lineages. And and so, you know, naming naming your teachers or being in conversation with your teachers and finding teachers whose work really resonates with you, whether that's teaching through a book or a podcast or, you know, one-on-one opportunities or like the library in your community, like whatever that is, building those sort of, and it's what Kristen and I call the witch wide web. And that wherever you are in the witch wide web, it extends to and through all of us. And so really honoring your place there and, and then bringing your gifts to that place. Wait, can you say more about the Witch Wide Web? That's new to me, and I need to know about it. <laughs> yeah, we started saying it because we we were always just laughing at how people knew each other or we had even, like, met previously or, or like, this sort of, like, thing of everyone knows of everyone in witchcraft, which is not, like, true, but it kind of is. Like, I mean, six degrees of separation or whatever, but, like, it seems especially synchronistic or magical in our in our business i don't know and it's always just i feel lucky to if you throw up a question or need help or are looking for answers like it always just seems like someone shows up and is like oh i know this or i want to talk about this or you know i'm coming from this background and that sort of like collaborative energy i think is is really what keeps the witch wide web together and it, it yeah it feels special to be a part of how would you define a witch well, I think that a witch can be anyone of any any gender, any identity that wants to call themselves a witch or that feels connected to that word, whether it's through like reclamation or, you know, enchantment or wanting to work with the cycles of the world. I think that claiming names for ourselves is really empowering and essential like if I didn't call myself a poet no one would ever call me a poet you know like if I don't call myself a witch who's going to call me a witch like I need to name myself and that's important to me and so anybody that wants to be in that space and you know tearing down the patriarchy and all systems of violence and oppression I think is a part of the witch conversation I love that definition I uh I shared it in an in an email recently, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast. And I know we have some people who are listening who are like, I like what this lady says, but I'm not a witch. And what I would say to them. <laughs> I So I have this theory about witches, which is that all of us are witches. And what being a witch is, is being connected to a divine source or a divine force within you that is bigger than yourself. It's an acknowledgement of your own internal power, the connection of your body to the cycles of the moon or the connection uh, you have to synchronicity or the connection that you have to wonder. Like all of that feels very witchy to me and that the negative association to the word witch or that people listening who are like, I'm going to listen to this podcast and maybe even subscribe, but I wouldn't call myself a witch. What they're experiencing is just like, if you think about a monarchy 
or colonialism or any body of power that was like, God hath giveth me the, the, the divine right to rule over these lands because of my bloodline or like God hath given me this continent that I accidentally crashed my boat into. <laughs> like that witches are the most threatening thing to that false idea of power or that false narrative of power because a monarchy or a white supremacist colonization camp is basically presuming that they own everything that they see because they happen to arrive there. And so to see people communing around a fire, engaging with plants, praying and making like healing or miracles happen, like actually connected to magic, actually connected to divinity is so threatening that that's why we hung them, like that that's why witches were hung and that's why they were burned because that is like the most powerful representation of something that could be threatening to what was keeping power in place. And that anybody who has a desire to reclaim their sacred power, their ability to make manifest a thing, like call it whatever you want, you're a witch, bitch. Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and it's true. And I mean, you know, the, the most threatening thing to be in uh, opposition to those things is to be ourselves, right? Like it's sacred and essential. Yeah, to be like, I'm still powerful. Like you can't control me. And I love a little bit of like unbridled feminine rage or something too. Like it doesn't have to be all like glittery, you know. As said as someone with a lot of Mars in her chart. I do have Mars in Cancer though, which I think is one of my most problematic placements after my Aries moon. But <laughs> say more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've just as I've gotten older, I've had to temper my passive aggressiveness and also my impulsiveness. And and I think that, you know, again, like knowing those things about myself have been super empowering because I'm like, okay, Mars in Cancer at its best is like nurturing and nourishing and goes to bat for its friends and is sort of that like archetypal do not fuck with me mother archetype, you know, but then in its fall, it can be a little like pinchery and crab like and uh, whatever passive aggressive. But and then Aries moon, too. It's like, on the one hand, like, lots of fun. On the other hand, like, maybe think twice before acting on an emotion. But <laughs> that's what therapy and good coaching is for, though, you know. <laughs> and I also think when we know our astrology, like, it actually hurt my heart to hear you name a placement. And I don't I don't even remember the word you used. Was it problematic? I don't remember exactly what the word was. Because I'll even, I do that to myself too. Like I have a cancer moon and the moon is ruled by cancer. Like that should, quote unquote, be a very powerful placement for the moon. And I know that one of the reasons I'm such a great space holder is because of that placement and that my, the depth of my care and the depth of my feeling and my ability to feel is a gift in this lifetime. And it's in the 12th house, conjunct Chiron and... <laughs> and Kate just made a face. <laughs> you know, and I I very often am like, oh my God, like it's my I feel with like such heaviness. Like it's mm. so heavy. And it's and you couldn't, it's like um trying to get, you know, blood out of a shirt. Like you just keep trying to wash it clean and there's like still a stain. And like sometimes it's very heavy. And I remember I said something degrading about my moon once and 
friend of our mutual friend who is basically all cancer. And she was like, <laughs> and that's how I felt when you were talking about your Mars. I was like, no, like, don't talk bad about your astrology because you were born for this to quote the title of Tani Nicholas's book that if you don't understand this conversation, you could go by and then understand your own astrology. Like nothing is damning. No, but we can poke fun at ourselves. <laughs> and I appreciate that, you know, you know what your shadows are because then you have awareness of them. Well, and it's just, it is a language. I've, Juliana McCarthy came on our podcast and was talking about it. And she was like, it's it's the first language I was ever given that helped me understand myself. And I thought that that was such a beautiful way to put it because I was like, ah, it really is that sort of, sort of like space for that. Mm -hmm. Well, while you're here, I'd love to poke your brain. I feel like what you've done on social media is create a place where people are actually really engaged and having fun. And my impression of your feed or interacting with your content is like your following grows because you're not aiming to grow your content like you're aiming to connect and as somebody who ran a social media business and for a lot of different brands and companies i think people feel now with the algorithm like they can't win like it doesn't really matter what they do they can't win and they feel really frustrated and like it's no longer a platform where they can really see growth or they can really see a return on investment for their time. I hear people complain about that a lot and then also have the misnomer that if they could only get a certain number of followers that like all of a sudden they'd be making a lot of money, which by the way is untrue. I've coached people who are not making even 50K in their business and have half a million followers. So I just love to hear your tips and your take on the universe of social media right now. Yeah, I just want to echo that. It's such a, what do they, we call it, like vanity metrics, some of that stuff. And so I guess like my advice is if you could just, if you could do anything on social media, think about it and, and like forget that anything else even exists. Like what's the way that you want to have conversations with your friends or like talk about your business? And then that's what you can feel invited to do. Like the more that we like play to algorithms or making everyone happy or all of this stuff, like it's just going to make more noise in the echo chamber and like, you know, trusting that the people that you come in contact with and in front of are intuitive, wise beings who can like the right people will see you and understand. And I think that with with especially my page, which has turned into kind of a chaotic meme account in some ways and then not in other ways, it I, one day I woke up and I was just like, what do I actually want to be talking about? And I was just like, OK, how do I weave these things that I love together in a way that my corner of the internet will feel like I'm winking at them across a digital space, you know? It definitely feels that way. Does it? Good. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be flirtatious and like fun and like if I if I have to, like I might as well like make it this thing that brings me joy. I mean, and it, it's, you know, it takes a long time to do like some of those mood boards that I'll make will take like weeks of like collecting or like thinking about a thing or a topic. But, you know, if there are things that I'm interested about, it's like I've given myself an assignment of, you know, investigating archetypes of trouble or thinking about how pomegranates show up in folklore or thinking about, you know, the origin of how Pluto was discovered. Did you know it was named by a nine-year-old girl? Because that's something I found out because I was doing work like this. And so, like, I think that, you know, giving yourself the prompts and assignments to en enjoy your work um, in the public space and also 
knowing that it can be, you know, brought elsewhere into your business to emails or to classes or, you know, making the best use of all of your creative energy so that you're not just pouring it all into this Instagram thing that we don't own those spaces, you know. So like I'm just the biggest advocate for a newsletter list. And and I know that you are, too. But I love that because that's so different from how like when somebody goes to a social media advisor, they do say you want to create authentic connection with your audience, but they don't talk about it like they they like they're doing that with templates like go on canva and make a graphic and then like you're frustrated that nobody signed up for your workshop it's like as someone with lots of canva templates on my feed that's informative i'm letting people know where this shit is but on an explore page like nobody's gonna want to look at that over something else like it's not it doesn't create a connection like what creates connection is something deeper than that. And I think what you spoke to, which is like, I had this concept where I wanted people to feel like I was winking at them. And I noticed when you started to transition it to, and my assistant, who is a mutual friend of ours, was like, I love what Kate is doing. Like, what if we like did things like that? And I was just like, I don't have the time or the energy or the desire or the aesthetic. Like, it's not me to be like sourcing all of those images. I don't even know where, how she sources all of these images. And like, that's what makes it unique and yours and why it's drawing people in because it is the, like the only such place where they can go to get a wink from you if they're not seeing you on Zoom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my mission in life is to be like a rock collector of the internet, you know? (laughs) But I mean, in, in all like practicality too, a way to beat, quote unquote, the algorithm, if you must, like, I mean, gosh, it's really not an assignment, but to make things like shareable is the best way around that. Because yes, yes, you can pour money into ad spend and the the app will kick up your stuff to other people, but the most genuine shares are peer to peer. So if you create something that is highly shareable, that says something more about the sharer than it does about me, then people will share that into the internet and then they become rock collectors too, if that makes sense. Yes. I feel like there's a club in there, like the rock collector club. Maybe there's a course in there. (laughs) Who wants to walk down the digital stream with me and collect rocks? You're going to get like two DMs from people being like, I would like to join your rock collecting club. (laughs) My new subscribe function on Instagram that I don't have yet. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, Any tips, newsletter tips, because you brought it up. Mm, Yeah, I think biggest tip, consistency. I started sending my newsletter October of 2020 to, I think, 20 people who were friends and that I thought would listen to me ramble every week or that wanted to write poems or had asked. And um, I used my grandpa's advice and brought a gift to that space and said, OK, every week everyone gets a newsletter prompt. Like, that's my that's my present for the moment. And ever since then, I haven't missed a Monday. I've sent sent one every Monday. And, you know, if I don't send it until the evening, I get emails about people worrying that they've missed it. And now there's like a crew of a thousand people, a few thousand people writing on there. And I think the consistency built that, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that. I went to uh, an event with Rachel Rogers, who I this is like the 12th episode of this podcast. I brought up Rachel Rogers on at least seven of the 12 episodes. I don't know Rachel. 
Oh my God. You have to read her book. We should all be millionaires. We'll talk about okay. it. Cool. Uh, but I went to an event that she hosted two weeks ago and one of the people there brought up that they had seen a meme that was like consistency is a tool of the patriarchy and how they just thought that that was bullshit because as someone with all of my house plants in my bathtub right now, like what happens if you stop watering your plants? They die. Like what happens if you don't consistently nurture your relationships? Like they start to have problems. Like consistency is not a tool of the patriarchy. It's how you demonstrate care to a thing. Yeah. And expectations and agreements and I'm not saying that they have to be good every week, you know, like I think that if someone were to like, if I were to be that sort of harsh to myself, I mean, there were there was a time when my grandparents and two friends passed away within two weeks and those newsletters were homages to them. Like it was not, I was not being like, here's some fun herbalism tips. Like I was like, this is what's real and this is what's going. And did a lot of people unsubscribe totally, but I fulfilled my end of the bargain, you know, like. yeah. I mean, I used to have such a tender relationship to unsubscribes because I felt like it was a uh, I felt like what people were saying was, I don't like you. Like that was my interpretation of that to the point that I don't actually know the password to my convert kit, which is the email serving platform that emails go out from. Only my assistant knows the password because I would like look at the unsubscribes and I would get emotionally impacted by that. And tip for people, first of all, people who are unsubscribing are not saying that they don't like you. They're just saying, this is not for me. And those people were never going to buy anything from you anyway. And you don't want people on your list who aren't going to buy things from you anyway, because when you're trying to speak to all of them, you're not speaking specifically to the people who are there for the right reasons, because you're trying to get everybody to stay in the room as opposed to talking to the people who really want to be in the room with you. And so when people leave, and also think about the reasons why you unsubscribe from things. Like sometimes you unsubscribe from things because, you know, at the beginning of my business, I was doing moon circles and you wanted to come to the moon circles. And then I transitioned into business and you were like, I'm not an entrepreneur. This isn't for me anymore. Like unsubscribe. It's not personal. And if I was still trying to to speak to everyone I wanted to invite to a moon circle and not speaking to entrepreneurs, I wouldn't be selling entrepreneurial coaching at the rate that I'm selling entrepreneurial coaching. And sometimes it is personal, though. And you taught me <laughs> that this was OK, because sometimes it, sometimes people don't like you and it is OK because you don't like everyone. And that you said that to me one day and I was like, my mouth was agape. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is true. Like sometimes it is personal, but I like to imagine that it never is. Like that's really helpful for me. I'm just like, oh, this wasn't for them. Like, that's okay. Bye. <laughs> I guess, yeah. What I mean is even when it is personal, it's not personal. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. can just not like you and it's, and I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so that's been a, it's actually, I think, a lot of good shadow work too become okay with that unsubscribe and sometimes people leave and then they come back mm -hmm. you know i remember a time not too long ago i don't know what their reason was but everybody was hating on anne hathaway everyone like really yeah there was like a a moment where people were just like i don't like anne hathaway i don't really know what it was about it was about it was nothing she did it was like her <laughs> I'm like, and have you seen Ellen Enchanted? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like now people are like about her again, you know? Mm -hmm. 
people fall out of fashion, they fall back into fashion. Guess what? You're you the whole time. So whether like you're in with somebody or you're out with somebody, you better be in with yourself because it's the only way you're going to be able to show up. Hell yeah. That's good advice. Aw, Anne. <laughs> I know. I never I never had a problem with her, but I just remember that there was like a people don't like her moment that I didn't fully understand. Maybe somebody can enlighten me in the DMs and be like, this is what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I would love to know if you get that message. Please pass it along. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like, okay, so people can be wrong about you. People can interpret the way you said or did a thing wrong. Like, I'm very adamant about when I see somebody who I feel like I could help and I feel like they're not betting on themselves. I'm going to be like, like I sent an email to somebody the other day that was like, sending you so much love. Hope you don't take this personally, but I'm just wondering if you're still spinning in anxiety six months after our conversation, not having taken action the way that I told you it might have served you to do so. That person hasn't responded to me yet. I could see how somebody would receive that as rather pushy. But my intention behind it was like a little bird told me you're still in the same place. And you had told me you really wanted to do this. So I'm lovingly calling you in and inviting you to show up for that. That doesn't even mean hire me. That just means acknowledge like you're still in the same space, babe. And so I think like if somebody, if that's an off-putting message for someone, that's okay. I know what my intention was. Yeah. And they have the power to either feel seen and respond to that or not respond to that. And they're both beautiful and valid ways. And we're still in the in the witch wide web together, though. It's I don't know true. that this person that I'm speaking of would necessarily identify as a witch. <laughs> the web extends to witch adjacent, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> to all the wizards and the hobbits and the fairies and the unicorns out there, you're invited yeah. to our party. <laughs> Yeah, all mystical beings, all earth spirits. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about your work, they want to get these awesome emails, they want to see the mood boards, they want to join the rock club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my Instagram for the rock club is at K8Blue, B-E-L-E-W. And my website's kateblue.com. And there's a little pop-up and you can sign up for the newsletter. It's on a little tab also. Um and our agreement, if you sign up, is that you'll receive a prompt and some thoughts every Monday. <laughs> and that's the best place to stay in touch. And I always put the new podcast episodes on there um, and any sort of workshops or partnerships or classes that are going on, what my friends are up to. There's usually a little space at the bottom. Um, yeah. And I hope to see you there. Beautiful. And we have some rapid fire questions. Tell us your big three. Aquarius, Sun, Scorpio, Rising, Aries, Moon. And what are you reading right now? The Witching Tree. What is that about? It is this book that I got in Salem. Um, and it is sort of this like perspective on a bunch of different magical trees. I'm in the very early stages of it, so I'll have to let you know how it is. I also have the Fairy Queens that I've been using for um, Spring Crossroads class, and it's a collection of all fairy essays. I read one about Melusine yesterday. Um, yeah, both really cool books. That is so fun and magical. Okay, what's your current pump-up song? Ooh, for the last year, probably Free by Florence and the Machine. 
Oh my God. I didn't know that that was like your favorite, but that I went to see her at concert and I was in the second row and I FaceTimed Kate during that song specifically to show. <laughs> I didn't know that was your favorite one. Yeah, and it made my whole day. I had just gotten into bed. I was teaching at the Beltane retreat for Tamed Wild. And so I was like in this little like cabin alone and you FaceTimed me and I was like, what's going on? It's late. And then I opened it and it was just that. And I got up and I danced around the room with you. It, was, it made my whole day. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I told you that. Maybe I did, but a fun like side note tidbit for the listeners. So Kate and I share a deep, undying love of Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine. My like top 10 most played songs are all Florence and the Machine songs. But I went with my best friend to see her. She performed a small, very intimate show at a theater in downtown LA. We were in the second row. I could see like the sweat dripping off of her face and like all she dances like on her tiptoes and you can see like the way that her like toes bend back. Like it was just it was probably the it was the best concert of my life and like top five moments of my life. Me and my best friend were having a conversation about this actually over the weekend, like that it there will never be a concert like that ever again. And before we went to the concert, we had gone to a witch store and my best friend had bought this ring made out of stone. I don't remember what the stone was. It was like an iridescent looking stone. But we had this amazing show. Obviously, the last song was dog days and it was like the last note and florence was singing like and here they come and she like held it and the ring cracked directly in half to the sound of her voice and me and my friend each caught a half of it like in our hand and we both looked at each other and we just started screaming i have full chills like i can't believe i never told you that Oh my, wow. Spooky. So into it. Also, Florence is such a witch. She's part of the witch ride web. <laughs> Hi, Florence. We love you. <laughs> okay, last question. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? I do what I do because I deeply believe and need poetry and stories and people and the plants and the stars. And I want to help anyone and be with anyone who believes and needs those things too. Uh, that is a perfect place to end. Thank you for being here, Kate. Thank you. And make sure you go follow Kate and I'll see you witches next week. 